What's up, everybody? Jim here with Chris Carl and a very special guest on this week's Keeping It Real podcast, the birthday boy himself, Eric Goldman. Thank you. It's been a while since I've been on Keeping It Real, but it's good yeah. to be back. You, you are my IGN TV counterpart to my movies, but there's uh, overlaps. There is. There's, there's, there's even shared universes. There is. There's an IGN shared universe. <laughs> there's an IGN shared universe. This is, yes. this, this is pretty much like when Ant-Man yeah. met. We Captain have a bold like 10 movie uh, slate we're going to announce. We're all the way up through 2016. <laughs> right. That's right. what we're doing. So, all right. So, we, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we actually want to start uh, this week by talking about well, something called Star Wars. What is that? It's, it's actually your Great passion, that and Harry Potter. Yes. Uh, now, The Force Awakens, we have a, a bunch of ta- uh, toys, new toys that have been unveiled now over the, the it's going to be going on for what? No, it's, it's, it's done now. The reveals on the, done. even though they said, but they said that all the reveals weren't done on that stream. There'll still be stuff in stores on Friday right. that wasn't part of that. Yeah, yeah. so we, uh, we have a bunch of stuff up on the site. Now, some of the, the new toys, the coolest one, Looks to be the 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 remote control BB-8. He's so little. Yeah, yeah it's so but it shows you like he can do yeah. all that stuff. Like, yeah. we have a really cool video of that on on the site or if on Facebook actually. If you want to watch it there, um, uh, we got to go see Sphero in person. We we haven't seen it yet yeah. in person. Yes. Um, up in San Francisco, they uh, went to see at the Sphero. Yeah. Went to see him and uh, said he's adorable. And this has been a global event. I mean, our, yeah. our counterparts in London have done stuff, and Australia. then was in Australia. Yeah. 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 So, uh, w- but outside of uh, BB-8, would, was there any new toys that really grabbed you or anything anything new that we learned, really? I mean, there was a couple of little character reveals. I mean, it's always funny, these little ways things are revealed, but the, the Lego Millennium Falcon <laughs> yep. had a couple of new little characters uh, that uh, one of them was uh, one had a name, but the other was just identified was as it like Tasu Leech or something. I want to call like him Tabuli Goulash. But, and, but the other was like the, the other was like something gangster or something. So he wasn't even like a named character yet because we know yeah. Star Wars. Every single guy will be yeah. named. So I have a feeling these are going to be you know maybe they uh, um, are you know we know that there's this uh, the mocap pirate character yeah, you know that yeah. Lapita's playing so maybe these are guys who work for her I'm guessing yeah there's yeah. been some rumors that it's the the two dudes from the raid who are yeah. in the movie that they could be the the gang members which would be right. you know hopefully though you, if you're going to cast the guys from the raid they better fight yeah they know? will fight come on they will <laughs> fight they will fight <laughs> they're definitely not just going to sit there yeah um and then you know we also though got a good look at the other part of Kylo Ren's helmet mm-hmm. yeah now now he this, does have a back of a helmet he does it's hood. not just all cloak he yeah. you know take off the cloak and the back of it does look like Darth Vader's helmet, yeah. and I proposed a theory. I want to say just a week or two ago on keeping it real. Yep. That since Kylo Ren is such a Darth Vader fanboy, um, that the we see the burned out uh, Vader helmet in the first trailer. That he actually took the helmet and kind of rejiggered it into his own mask. I think mm-hmm. they probably added the front piece. And because the back that was the part that was all damaged. Really, also, the, the back of that helmet looks really um, looks really damaged. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, like yeah. dings in it and it's kind of I see, uh, I see the opening sequence of Nightmare on Elm Street where Freddy's hands are making the glove but it's like Kylo <laughs> Ren like hammering He's got a forge. And, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny all these relics basically that are being sought. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we you know, think is, is sort of happening in they the have no eBay um, in that part of the galaxy it's so funny like that it's it's similar to how we all sort of like yeah. <laughs> search for these little yeah elements I, I do yeah. think it's a yeah. really interesting commentary on fandom you know yeah. as much as it's you know clearly you know there's the neo-nazi kind of side to it that we've talked about but it, this is like the extreme fanboy He's a cosplayer. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The back of that helmet actually invokes the Nazi helmet as well. Oh yeah, you know which which also the Empire did. So did yeah. So did all the helmetry. Yeah, helmetry. Helmetry. (laughs) (laughs) All the helmetry in Star Wars has always invoked Nazism. But you know, I mean, it's it's clear that they are going for this imperialistic tone. They're going for this like you know. They're still, they're still you, bad. You, you've given me a segue, Mr. Carl, to oh. a reader email hmm. from Steve Gale. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Uh, 
the, uh, on a previous episode, of, on, previously on Keeping <laughs> It Real, uh, you guys wondered what kind of creed the Empire had and how its legacy could appeal to a later generation. So I gotta ask you, do you think the Republic depicted in the prequels was really worth writing home about? They were entrenched in a war with multiple disenfranchised factions, including separatists and a liberation army. To be at war with separatists is to try and force others to participate in your government against their choosing, which is rather antithetical to the concept of a republic. To be at war with a liberation army means that there are those in your government that feel oppressed. And let's face it, the droids in the Star Wars universe have a legitimate grievance in that respect. <laughs> they demonstrate personalities and seem as sentient as any organic race, but they are still treated as property. And uh, that mistreatment even includes the good guys. Maybe to some war-weary galactic denizens, the iron-fisted rule of the Empire was appealing. We have our historical figures who were revered for achieving unity amongst their people by crushing all opposition, like Alexander in Greece and Tokugawa in Japan. Steve. Hold he on, he's not done yet. <laughs> now, we don't know what came to fill the void left by the Empire, but maybe it ain't decades of dancing around campfires singing Yub Nub. <laughs> Some might look back fondly in the days when the trains ran on time. No, this is this is damn a, Steve Gale. This is something actually that's been talked about a lot uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, Dave Filoni, uh, the you know showrunner of Rebels, who uh, worked on Clone Wars, talked a lot about when Rebels was beginning that idea—the idea of the people who were like, "Oh, I kind of like this Empire thing." Like, yeah, they that's it. Would have been like the Tories and Revolutionary. Yeah, it's America. like that things seem very. Uh, Orderly first order, um, <laughs> but yeah, that you know, for for certain people, uh, especially people that were in like uh, you know the, in the uh, inner system, close to Coruscant and whatnot, and were treated better, that it was about like, oh well, the war is over, the Clone Wars is over, and there's stabi stability. That one battle and 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 supplies <laughs> like we're getting this actually uh, I, having you know even uh, I think Star Wars Aftermath, the book that's coming out this week, kind of addresses this, but the idea of that. Like, you know, under the Empire, at least, you could kind of count on things to arrive at the right time. and like Bureaucratic everything was, yeah. efficiency. That is yeah. what they're fighting for. But That's a lot of people creed. want that. It's right. purely stability. It's purely like, hey, I want this thing that I can expect, and I'm just going to live out my life. Because for a lot of people, they don't care who's in charge, necessarily. It's just like, I want to go have my experiences in my life. And as long as I don't feel too oppressed, I'm cool with it. Like, yeah. it happens all the time. You see it. In, in, in all regimes of this country, somebody feels oppressed, you know, it doesn't matter what your politics Regimes of this country? Yeah. So, uh, you make it sound like we're, <laughs> we're multiple fiefdoms. No, I'm just saying in all of the subsequent, you know, like, oh, right, right. yeah, in serial regimes, each new person, party who comes into power, people feel like there's some people who are disenfranchised. And right. there's some people who feel really great about it, you know? Yeah. And so, like, yeah, there's definitely going to be some people who are like, I love the Empire. Did they call it the Empire? They did because yeah. he declared it in Revenge of the Sith. He yeah, right. It okay. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's hard to love it when you're like, I'm part of an empire. But maybe if you're like really, really nationalistic or yeah, but it's also. I mean, it, it harkens back it's to to uh, to Romans. You know, yeah. it started as a republic and became an empire, and and you know their ideals kind of petered out a little bit, and you know they probably look at the rebels a bit like. Romans did barbarians, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, but I, I am curious, like, you know, and, and you've read a lot of the novels, was there ever sort of, even in the EU that has been ditched, was there ever any sort of creed to the Empire? They were just bad guys in cool suits. No, I mean, so first EU, it's been a while since I read a lot of that because I it kind of drifted off with a lot of the stuff. I read a lot of it early and then stopped reading it. But even in the recent, like, canon novels, we're actually getting to know more like you know there's been some prominent imperial characters some of them more sympathetic than others that are mm. sort of like there are characters are uh in the admiral piet way of like this is just a person <laughs> doing their job you know yeah. <laughs> uh, that is trying to get into like their point of view more and the fact that they truly do see the rebels as this insurgent you know yeah. force that is trying to stop what is a system that works you yeah. know 
so the, we're definitely seeing that side of it in some, in some of these stories. I just feel like the Empire kind of has a PR problem though, because they're so <laughs> heavily, they're so heavily like tied to the dark side of the force. I, I want to see a fan uh, fanfic about the the Empire's like PR flack, you know? But it's called <laughs> really the dark side. Group. <laughs> it's called the dark side of the force, and you've got this dude whose face is essentially like falling off his skull. Who's your leader? And he shoots lightning out but, of his fingers. But but. Uh, Lords of the Sith made it clear that Palpatine did not let, it was not public knowledge that he was a Sith or had any Force abilities. Like, but he still looks Va like Vader, like it was pretty, bastard. Vader obviously used the lightsaber publicly and there was like, oh, something with him, but yes, besides, you're just, uh, you're just judging him on how he looks, Chris. <laughs> but <laughs> it's they, true, yeah, but they, he looks really evil. Yeah, but they talk He's about how he never, they he never bottles. wanted people to know, even though of course his, his inner circle knew, but that they didn't want most and people to know like that he this. had Force abilities. That, that was, that was kept under wraps. Yeah, I, that, yeah. I, but you're like, that everyone knows ugly. I'm evil, but don't let them know I have magic. Right. We all know what he looked like when he started out, and he, his face wasn't like completely ash, and he didn't have red eyes, and he didn't hold his hands like this. But he blamed it on the Jedi when he made the same speech where he declared it an empire. He's like, oh, look what they I did to me. I, I'm, I am a child in this fight. You don't remember his Senate speech? Come on. <laughs> he only remembers the tax policy. Right. Right. Uh, well, we want to know what you guys uh, think about uh, I don't know, Star Wars. Was the Empire right? Yeah, what do you think the Empire was actually fighting for? Was it just order? Was it all really at the end of the day just about bureaucratic efficiency? Let us know in the comments and let us know what your favorite toys were that have been unveiled so far. Uh, let's talk about Star Wars Episode 8 because there's some casting yes. reports out there. Episode 8, guys. We're talking episode about it. Episode 8. And a female lead. Mm -hmm. Now, this has got a lot of tongues wagging, like, what does this mean for, for Rey, yeah. uh, Daisy Ridley's character? Doesn't mean that she's not in it, but it does say female lead and that she's going, uh, this character, unspecified character, would be testing opposite John Boyega. So, mm -hmm. clearly, uh, Finn and this character will have some sort of adventure together, but... Or be opposed to each other. Yeah. Or be opposed to each other. Yeah. Or be... Yeah, I mean, she very well could be. For those listening, I was gesturing that it was perhaps coitus. Uh, but the three actresses that are reportedly up for the role uh, are Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black, Gina Rodriguez from Jane the Virgin, and Olivia Cook from Bates Motel, but you also have seen her in movies such as Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, and of course, that American classic, Ouija. Yes. <laughs> um, Let's stick with Bates Motel. <laughs> well, I, when which, it was, which is when getting was, a sequel, right? Well, well, yeah. yeah <laughs> when, I was, when I was getting uh, um, some of their, their uh, you know, nominations and stuff to kind of, fill, uh, you know, put into the story, it was like, Golden Globe nominee and Emmy nominee, Tatiana Maslany. Mm -hmm. Golden Globe winner, Gina Rod... Or was she Emmy winner? No, Golden Globe winner, winner yeah. Gina Rodriguez. And... <laughs> Fangoria Chainsaw Award third place recipient Olivia Cook. I was like, oh. she'll get there. She'll oh. get there. No, I mean, I, I, mean, I think awesome. she's a great. Actor. She will get there. I mean, she's. It was the same week. She was also one of the finalists for Ready Player One. And so. I think she's. And that's the Steven Spielberg directed uh, adaptation of the book, video game uh, story. She's up uh, for a role with Elle Fanning and uh, Lola Kirk. But I think Olivia Cook will get the Spielberg movie because those big eyes of her. <laughs> are, yeah. Isn't that like perfect for the Spielberg kind of reaction shot? She's got the big, <laughs> I can just see the trailer now, you know? She walks into the office, she's like, hired, all right. <laughs> uh, Let me see on. your eyes, perfect, next. I mean, these are all three really, you know, great actresses and uh, Maslany, you know, first of all, she leaps out because, you know, she's so praised for Orphan Black, rightfully so, but also because she was one of the finalists for Rogue One, for yeah. the Felicity Jones yeah. role. So clearly Lucasfilm is like, we are getting her in a Star Wars movie, to which I say, yeah. hell yeah, please. She is also uh, the fan favorite. I mean, you yeah. know, a lot of, uh, it, it really is like the, the, the most positive chatter I've seen is yeah. between her and Rodriguez. Yeah, know? I mean, R Rodriguez is in a show that is like not really our readership, but she's terrific. Uh, yeah. And critics love her too. In fact, someone even tweeted to me, when I tweeted it out that they were the three finalists, someone's like, 
you know, Maslany and Rodriguez is basically like getting all the TV critics to say, yeah, because <laughs> they're, they're both so beloved. Again, not that Cook isn't, but Cook doesn't play a showy role. She's a supporting role on her show. Yeah. Uh, she's more like someone people are like, oh, she's, you know, one movie away from everyone kind of noticing her. Yeah. Uh, but I do wonder now that it's Maslany twice in a row, they've like, gone to her so it feels like if it isn't this one it's inevitable she will be cast in or that or she'll be, be so you know twice bitten once bitten twice sh- i don't know yeah. <laughs> sam higgin was saying from uh, outlander was saying that he tested something like seven times for game of thrones and they mm-hmm. never cast him oh for so, different roles for different roles oh. i just wanted to see him naked <laughs> yeah. right, right. and uh and so you know that happens too it does, yeah. it does. Yeah. and it, it could just be that somebody doesn't audition well or doesn't click with that person that yeah. they're opposite you know we'll see but yeah i think i think they're all fine choices i personally think tatiana as well but yeah i i don't know i don't actually know gina's work at all mm-hmm. so I, i've seen a couple of episodes of that show she's very charming you know very likable on that show so do we think then this is a heroine or a villainous it, it's sort of I mean, we're in a weird place with star wars right because suddenly we went from no star wars movies to all star wars movies yeah and the fact that they're making them so quick means yeah episode seven isn't even open and we're talking about episode eight casting yeah because it's going to go into production early next year for yeah. 2017 release. but i do believe all the leads for the Force Awakens are signed for multiple. Right. So I mean, whether that's a you know that Which, can be a smoke screen or right. a safety net. But know, I really do think Oscar Daisy Isaac will be has back. said that yeah. he's he's back. You know? Yeah. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't assume anything because yeah, a lot of people were tweeting me like, "What does this mean? Does this mean Ray is, dies in Episode Seven? I just see. Don't assume anything. I mean, I said you know like look. Who, you know, if, if we had the internet now and it was like, Billy Dee Williams is being cast for a major role with chemistry read with Carrie Fisher for, you know, episode yeah. five, you know, people would be like, Han dies, you know. <laughs> Not that they would care because they wouldn't know who he is because it was the first movie. But, you know, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Uh, and so, yeah, I just feel like, like, you know, we were saying, like, who knows, you know, me and Jim were talking about this, like, maybe Ray goes off on her own journey in episode yeah. eight. Well, you it know? could be like, if they're going to follow any of the sort of the, the, the arcs of the past movies, um, if, if, you know, and we've talked before about Kylo Ren being like the anti-Luke Skywalker, the guy who maybe comes from nowhere and ends up, you know, yeah. instead of the hero of the galaxy, yeah. the villain of the galaxy, she could be like Luke going off to Dagobah in the next yeah. one, you yeah. know, we don't know. Yeah, there's, there's so. a lot of possibilities, but, uh, yeah, I feel like, uh, I, I can't help but root for Maslany because I just love her so much on that show, uh, and, and I'd love to see her in a Star Wars movie. Yeah. yeah. If it was Joss Whedon, I'd be like, yeah, she's dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. Um, let's see. Now, speaking of Ready Player One and Spielberg, mm-hmm. he has been doing some press because he's got uh, his Cold War movie, Bridge of Spies, coming up this fall. Um, and one comment of his has gotten a lot of play, including here on IGN. Um, and he basically said that he thinks superhero movies are going to go the way of the Western, that they will eventually just die out. It doesn't mean they won't ever make them again, but they're not. Their popularity will wane, and it's just basically a this genre or subgenre, as some want to say, is a phase. Um, what do you say to that? I mean, look, it's going to reach its peak, right? Like, you know, we're going into this this year uh, comparatively is a light year, whether like four movies, whereas like next year uh, is crazy, and then there's yeah. even crazier years coming. So it'll it'll there'll be a peak. There will be a couple of big bombs. It's just kind of inevitable. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got so much plotted out. I don't know if it'll be as extreme as the Western, uh, as far as you know how it was everything and then it was nothing. But I think yeah, maybe you know by the beginning of the next decade, maybe they'll scale way back and it'll just be like we'll only go back to one or two of these a year. Yeah, yeah. We have major forces driving superhero movies. Though Disney is yeah. one of them. And what you see is the you know it's the marketing machine the, the toy selling machine yeah. you're selling toys to kids that are just coming up now so of course they're going to want to see stories about these heroes that mm-hmm. they've been tracking their whole life and that's what these people are paid to do is like get them to consume that entertainment for years yeah. to come and so i think and they've Hence proven grown successful ass sitting yes. around talking yeah. about star wars but they've <laughs> yes. proven really successful with several models you know their animated model the princess yeah. model you know like uh, and cars things like that mm-hmm. like they're inundated and so like you are always going to have these kids with an appetite for it that said i think disney's going to be pretty secure they may scale back to like one movie a year on the marvel side yeah but you know i think they're going to exist i think it's also too i mean as soon as these movies stop making money overseas or they're right. no longer moving merch. Mm-hmm. That's when I don't think it's you know. And and I'm look. I'm rooting for the DC movie slate to work. 
But I do think it's far more likely some of those are going to bomb than Marvel. Yeah. And uh, actually, um, one thing before we talk a little bit more about Marvel and some uh, behind-the-scenes shakeups going on over there, um, I just want to add the, the big difference between the superhero genre and the Western genre is that the Western genre was kind of killed by its own, by the times, by Vietnam, frankly. Because America stopped believing in its own mythology. I'm not the yeah. only one who's kind of said this, but it's the Western. There were a lot of factors for why people stopped seeing Westerns, and a lot of it had to do with it was very symbolic of America. And once America wanted to stop celebrating its own history, its own past, or they didn't like the reality of that period being held up rather than the myth, they stopped consuming it. Superhero movies don't have that problem because we've never actually had an Iron Man or a Captain America. Right. Damn it. I know. I'm still <laughs> waiting. Like, there, there's some meme online like, how many billionaires and no one's tried to be Batman? You bunch of slackers. <laughs> right. like, so I, I feel like superhero movies are much safer. It'll, it'll die out because people are just, like, bored with it. But it won't be... It won't be a cultural rejection the way the Western was. Yeah, and maybe yeah. it will have to just keep evolving. I mean, we're already talking about, you know, Guardians was already one of, like, let's take it in a different direction, and now we're waiting to see what Doctor Strange will be like. But yeah. maybe it'll just be, like, maybe we'll see less, you know, we won't get five traditional superhero movies in one year, but they'll kind of go into weirder places with it. Right, you know? right. Yeah. And we've seen now with the Netflix stuff, too, like their brain at street level. You yeah, know? yeah. So. I, I, I think that all those, all those comments are totally spot on with the western it's uh, you know you still see westerns now it's just not as many yeah you know, tarantino's to, now making yeah. westerns or they him and to, uh, costner are like single-handedly keeping that genre alive uh and oh, but also the small screen has helped a lot I, I think the problem with westerns is when one of them bombs and most of them frankly do um they stop making them when a when a rom-com bombs they don't stop making rom-coms so yeah western has always had a, a, um, a hurdle to jump that other genres that do have their failures, including horror, mm -hmm. animation, you know. Well, I, I think because with, of, I'm sorry, oh, I would say with rom-coms even, that's been cyclical. There yeah. are less yeah. and less of them even now, but like they still get made. So mm -hmm. like it's, it's kind of And like VOD that has been kind yeah. to them. I mean, yeah. you get a lot of the indie, sort of the mumblecore kind of rom-com stuff. Yeah. I, the thing about Westerners that limits it, and not to say, I mean, they're amazing Westerners. I'm just saying that on a like audience perception, but also a studio perception when they are, can be way over the top with the, oh, that bomb, don't do that again is, because westerns are most of the time going to visually on a bare uh, like of course people can do you know shoot them differently but the aesthetic's going to be a western that period that setting where again a comic book movie or even a rom-com isn't limited by that different settings comic book movies can be different time periods and also there's and different no galaxies. there's no and I, I found this out from um not to name drop but like you know we all have like actor friends and one of my actor friends was on uh Deadwood and he said Lucky. one of one of the one of the big reasons why HBO didn't support that show over an entourage or a Sex in the City, even though Deadwood was better, was there's no product placement opportunity. You yeah. can't sell anything. You can't make a deal to have part of your budget covered by like a Samsung phone or right, something right. like that. Whereas you know, any any uh, contemporary thing of any genre. You can work something in. You yeah, know? And, and that's significant. You can see it at play in things like Transformers. Yeah. Like that is cutting a big chunk of budget. And like movies like that get made for the budgets so that they get made because there's an infusion of money from mm -hmm. product placement. Mm -hmm. And also, like that movie had a lot of money from China as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so we've, that's more talk about the Western I think we've ever had. Yes. And I love Westerns. <laughs> I, I, I wish, mm -hmm. I, I feel like a man born out of his time. I wish. <laughs> I, I had been, you know, working in Hollywood back when they made westerns and gangster movies all the time, and yeah, you're stuck with all the superhero crap. <laughs> Batman, who I love. Um, so, speaking of superhero crap, uh, um, there was some behind-the-scenes uh, stuff going on at Marvel this week. Kevin Feige, the president of Marvel Studios and the producer in all the Marvel movies no longer has to report to Ike Perlmutter, who is the boss of Marvel, uh, and who has controlled it basically since they, the his 90s. company, yeah, saved their ass in the 90s yeah. when they were bankrupt. Um, and he is a notorious penny pincher and apparently just 
a nasty piece of work. I mean, from I, again, and no one will go on the record. I mean, like, I, obviously, Feige and anyone who's working in Marvel. What we're saying is he's the emperor. Yeah. <laughs> no one working in Marvel has ever done an interview going, oh, yeah, like, he's horrible to work for. But there, you know, if you listen around town and to a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot of anecdotes about him not being the greatest and being a source of a lot of issues mm. and things that hold up and, and complaints, specific complaints even fans have sometimes uh, down to like merchandising stuff often is said yeah. to be, you know, third-hand rumor, but you hear enough of it, you start to think, hmm. Yeah, is this or like guy? why, yeah, why won't you spend money on this or that? Yeah. And it's like, and it started, like a lot of these stories started with Iron Man 2 and Mickey Rourke's salary. And yeah. Robert Downey basically had to make a public stink about like, will you just pay, I want to work with Mickey Rourke, will you just pay him? And I think ultimately he only got paid like 250 grand right. for wow. that movie. And that's what they were penny pinching over which on a marvel even on the second iron man when it still had a low budget like that was still a drop in the bucket well chris yeah. evans was making something like two hundred thousand dollars for the first captain america yeah that's just, and then like five hundred thousand and then that's now crazy. he's crazy yeah for a, a size deal. of that movie you know it's like yeah that's just and the importance not, doesn't of his, happen of his character it's, right you right, know yeah. uh i mean i think they were totally just scared by what Downey pulled down. Mm -hmm. Like they made him this sweet deal because they probably didn't think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, well, but, this won't last uh, <laughs> right, that long. Right. And now Downey basically has the gross national product of most countries. But you know what? So does Marvel. Like, spread oh, it around. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, it's cool. Um, but, you know, this, this shakeup means uh, because now Feige is going to answer to Alan Horn, the head of Disney, uh, basically means Kevin Feige no longer has to deal with some guy that he reportedly couldn't get along with yeah. and who the buck stopped with. Now he gets he, now he's going to be working with a guy that by most accounts he gets along with fine. Um, and he's very happy with what Marvel has done for them. Yes, which is print billions of dollars. Yeah. It's interesting Disney. too because like when you get a scenario like this, you're no longer operating under this constraints that made the movies what they are at this point. Mm -hmm. So it can go two ways, right? It right. can go like in the way of like Oh, now we're going to spend way more money than we should, and you know yeah. everything's going to get more lavish. Or you can still operate in that frame, and then maybe make smart bets here and there, which I'm hoping is what they yeah. do. Yeah. Do you think they run the risk now of getting? They're already getting bloated in terms of the sheer number of characters. Sure. Like, is there something? Sometimes you know uh, somebody saying no, we we you can't have that. Yeah. You come up with a more creative solution. I mean, just yeah. in general, the characters that they own have made it. Interesting because right, because they couldn't start they with Spider-Man yeah, and the X-Men. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's always a double-edged sword. There's never a perfect answer on these things. About you know, I was just talking to a, someone, a friend of mine who's a TV writer, and about that whole thing of, you know, as as fans and as people who cover the industry, you know, you always have that push and pull of like hearing that a creator you love is being really like stymied and having like the studio or network restrict them and be like, just let them do what they creatively want. And then the flip side of pure no restriction freedom and sometimes we see these projects that are like oh that he needed someone to tell him <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't do that my god man right and it's really him. hard to say what's the alchemy what is the exact right amount yeah. you yeah. know i've okay. heard i've heard that about david lynch like mm -hmm. david lynch operates the way that he does because he's got people to kind of like keep him right. in order and and i mean <laughs> it, it could be said of a lot of directors a lot of you know yeah. creative folks in general like if you if you well, have that person, Lucas didn't have that. Yeah, but that, but that's, yeah that, Lucas exactly. is the one I go to all the time with this because you know it's when we hear you know, because Lucas is like you know he got a hundred percent creative freedom. He got to do everything he wanted, and then people were like, "I don't like what you did." And then people specifically were like, "He should have had a studio. He should have had Gary Kurtz and all these things." And it's like. And I'm like, you know, but you know, you I hear you at the same time say about other projects, let him do what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. You don't never know. Like sometimes it yeah. is that weird bounce of different personalities to get yeah. make things I was, right. I, and this is maybe out of left field, but I was thinking about this on my on my drive this morning. Jim inspired me to listen to the Bee Gees. Oh, <laughs> he sent me some Bee Gees link the other day, and on, on my drive today, I was like, I'm gonna listen to the Bee Gees. And then it occurred to me while I was listening that, and I don't know why I was thinking about this particular thing, but. You know, the Bee Gees may never have existed, right? Mm -hmm. Like, those guys might not have met if they decided not to. I don't know how they... They were brothers. Well, the the two guys were, but, the, you know, like, all, the whole group, right? No, like, they were all brothers. The Gibbs. The Bee Gees? They're mostly Gibbs. Okay, that's a bad <laughs> Damn it. Anyway, okay. Pick I, any other band. I just really Except wanted to say Bee Gees. Okay. Led Zeppelin, one of your all favorites. Right. Okay. okay. So, 
if 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 like the guy hadn't seen the flyer, or if the guy didn't know the yeah. guy in college, or if they didn't hear music in the same yeah. way, or yeah. any number of things didn't happen the way that they happened, you would be missing this entire chunk of our music history. Right. Same could yeah. be said of film, anything creative. Yeah. Like it's, since these are collaborative mediums, like if just one element changes, sometimes it throws off the yeah. alchemy of the thing. Right. And yeah. that's what we get worried about, I think. And that's why people are like, oh, I wish it was this way, or I wish it was that way. Yeah. Well, Here's one more thing that reportedly has changed behind the scenes at Marvel and uh, comes via Heroic Hollywood and then Birth Movies Death did a follow-up on it. Um, basically, Marvel Studios uh, has also ditched a creative committee, uh, which apparently, you know, everyone had to sign off on the scripts and stuff like that. And, you know, it's a bureaucratic process, but, you know, checks and balances, yada, yada, yada. But apparently that is no longer uh, going to be the case, and now it'll just be basically a core group right. or, or a handful of right. executives, meaning Feige and whoever the hell he wants to talk to. Yeah, and again, you know, so the Marvel movies are so unusual, although now other people were following the template, but, you know, because they are essentially run like a giant TV show, right? Yeah. Uh, and Kevin Feige... Really over, expensive one. <laughs> yeah, with Kevin Feige sort of fulfilling the showrunner role, right. you know? Yeah. And, you know, again, it's it's like something like... the Edgar Wright's probably a, a great example of this, you know, him leaving Ant-Man, which made a lot of people really sad and then also pissed, being like, well, what was it? Were they just not letting him do his thing? What a-holes, you know, that they're not like... <laughs> and again, I don't know the full story. Maybe they were a-holes. But at the same time, it's like, no, well, you are... You do have, restri you have restrictions no matter what if you're making a studio movie, but especially with these Marvel ones, it's what we want. We want this intricate, connected universe, but guess what? That does not give you the full creative freedom you would have yeah. on a standalone movie. It just doesn't. And, uh, you know, it will still be Feige and a couple other guys overseeing, but it sounds like it'll be less. There were several other yeah. people, yeah. and maybe a few less cooks in the kitchen, and maybe it can help Well, this process. is uh, to Birth Movies Death uh, <laughs> follow-up said that, quote, the notes that drove Edgar Wright off Ant-Man came from the creative committee. What's more, creative committee was often very tardy with their notes, making movie development a much slower process. I mean, some of the people were like Casada and guy. Yeah. I mean, these are busy people. Really they busy have guys. other jobs yeah. and, and part of that corporate family. But uh, all of the committee members have, well, here he goes, all <laughs> the other committee members have other very important jobs. So you understand why that would be a case. But it's a pain for filmmakers. Uh, and then these just basically sort of the natural political divisions that happen within any sure. company yeah. and the territory, uh, territoriality or territorialism yeah. of, of this stuff. So. It sounds like, yeah, they're they're more relying, you know, Feige's been there for years, you know, he's obviously created something very, not on his own, but he's helped spearhead something so successful, it sounds like they're like, okay, we feel we can trust in you because Disney's let you know the ones who's having this happen. Disney's Three like, billion dollars yeah, laid out, we trust. Maybe you. we can take <laughs> make, take away some of these other people and put it you know let you make more decisions with a couple of. He's never he's never going to just be able to make every decision on his own, but take away some of the other people to make it a bit more streamlined. Yeah. What if Peter Pan were Iron Man? <laughs> Wait, I want that, everything gold plated. That'll be coming down from above. Um, <laughs> Now let's see. Uh, just uh, just throwing out a little uh, Marvel news that Thor Ragnarok and Captain Marvel will reportedly might film in Australia because it said that Disney had a such a wonderful experience shooting down there for Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales, which I don't believe because when your major star almost has his dogs killed by the Australian <laughs> government, I somehow think that may have pissed on that experience I, a wee I, bit. No, it's obviously that must be a good but financial, them, my, financial money, yeah. incentive. Why are they filming in Atlanta right now? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, did we talk about Hulk and Civil War yet? No, we did not. Let's. A Marvel rumor. Did we talk about Hulk Let's not being yeah. in Civil War? Mark, we did before we rolled. That's why yeah. all of us are scratching our heads <laughs> like yes. monkeys. Uh, we, we um, talk about it. Mark Ruffalo uh, has uh, said in an interview that Hulk was initially in Captain America's Civil War drafts uh, of the script. Uh, he is no longer, and Marvel is saving him. But for what he doesn't know, he might. Hulk he does. He has no idea space. when Hulk will come back. Hulk is in space. And, you know, don't forget, we, we, we heard that at one point they also almost had uh, the Wasp in Civil War. That, yeah. that, that was the movie where she was going to become the Wasp. But at a certain point, they're like, you know, they said they cut her specifically. And this was more on the studio side commenting that it was like too many characters. 
yeah. let's scale back. So, I mean, there, there's several reasons to cut the Hulk. Um, both the too many characters thing, there's the power balance thing yeah. of just like, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's convenient in a right way to not have Hulk or Thor in this movie just because it's like, whoever yeah. has them, it's like, that's pretty we helpful. Win. I mean, they, they wrote Hulk out Civil War the comic. They send him to space during that time, and I think they even said it just felt like whoever has Hulk, that would, like that Superman would fighting Batman. throw off the balance oh, too much, too and that's why they sent him away for a storyline that would not be able to keep him. Yeah. Now, this will be more murky because Curious. the end of, uh, you know, we're not going to get any other Marvel movie between now and Civil War, but the Age of Ultron, you know, ending sent him away. You yeah, know? and yeah. so it just he's off the grid. Yeah, and I think it's the right call for the. I don't I think he's in space. I still yeah. maintain he's going to be in space either <laughs> in part one or part two of Infinity War. I think, I think we'll post credit Guardians too. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, Renner yeah. said that he doesn't think the Guardians are going to show up for yeah, Infinity War. But I feel like. You know, I think that was just, you know, he was doing a panel at a convention and kind of speculating. I do think, you know, Infinity War, especially, you know, the fact that Thanos' biggest role so far was in Guardians. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Where he actually got off his chair. Yeah, he stood up. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, I feel like, you know, they, 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 uh, they have to, I think Infinity War Part Two is the, like, Cosmic, we all have to band. Do together. they bring all the yeah. guardians, yeah. Or, or could we just see Rocket and Groot show up? Yeah, they're all. It's all. Yeah, good. yeah. Be okay. I'm calling it. Yeah, yeah. 2015. Thanos is kind of like is like a dad after Thanksgiving dinner. I'll get up and shovel the sidewalk. Gotta <laughs> deal. The freaking <laughs> raccoon is here. Uh, <laughs> get him out of the garbage. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about some of uh, Steven Spielberg's. Uh, uh, other stuff that was in this story that, you know, DreamWorks uh, has a distribution deal with Disney. It's probably going to end and might go back to Universal where you started his career. Because they need more money. Um, <laughs> yes, because they're struggling so much. Mm. What with that Fifty Shades of Grey and, and Grey and Jurassic World. But, you know, he's and everything. <laughs> had some of his biggest directing and producer hits with Universal. And there was one line in, I believe, THR's report that I felt like a lot of people jumped on and saying, like, and basically what they said was Spielberg would be key uh, for Universal to potentially reboot Jaws or Back to the Future, which, mm. of course, makes everyone go apeshit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and rightfully so. But I just, I don't think it's... Goldman, I'm going to let you explain why the Back to the Future reboot thing is probably never going to happen. Well, Zemeckis literally like a month ago was just quoted, unless he was lying or incorrect, saying that contractually he and Bob Gill have any say over a remake or reboot of Back to the Future, that it was in their contract back in 85, and as long as he's alive... They cannot, and Gale, they can't do anything without them saying yes, and he's even trying to work it out with, like, you know, his uh, estate, his estate um, to basically stop them from doing anything with that. So wow. Could that, they ever just do a sequel, just use the, the brand of Back to the Future, I mean, but it, have it, new characters? It sounded like no. You know, again, it was it's, it's an unusual deal for any big studio movie, but it sounded like no. So that's why Back to the Future especially we're very dubious on. Um, Jaws is, you know, I was reading some other article that was pointing out, look, Jaws isn't precious anymore as is one of the best movies ever, but there were three terrible sequels already. So yeah. it's like getting worse sequels. So it's not, they have, they've already tarnished the brand. Yeah. Um, there's more recent like spin-off, uh, even though Back Features had recent merch too, Jaws has sort of already done like a, a weird like spin-off video game that had none of the characters from the movie. There's more of a like already a precedent set there. Yeah. And that's the one where I think something could happen. That, but yeah. it does sound like they, they know better. Universal would not want to do it without Spielberg sort of signing off and on Spielberg it. Spielberg has, has even said he has an idea for, yeah. uh, for a scene from Jaws that he never d did. But he was like, he, caught, he said he often thinks of that scene and be like, hmm, is that enough just for a whole movie, like for a premise for a movie? And I, I mean, I, I, I could see him kind of a la Jurassic World signing right. off in another Jaws, but... I, you know, Jaws is an absolutely awesome movie. Mm -hmm. It's one of my faves. But yeah. I don't think in this day and age of a Jurassic World where everything has to be bigger, and frankly, day and age of Sharknado, mm -hmm. like, I don't think you could actually just do, there's a shark out there and he's going to eat you movie. I mean, 
it, it's what if it's jazzes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, multiple oh, jazzes. Right. A lot of Z's. <laughs> I mean, but basically, then you're doing either uh, uh, deep blue sea, right? Yes. And or um, open water, or what, any of these other like there are sharks out there. They're gonna. I don't know how do you even do another Jaws movie in this day and age where everything has to be bigger? Is yeah. it, you know, sharks from space? I don't know. What well, the hell it's kind of like Godzilla, right? Like Godzilla did that slow burn and some people mm. loved it. I loved it. Some people hated it a lot. Yeah. Um, but that is, I think, how you would do that movie is you'd say there's this giant shark out there. So that's just gonna, like the original movie. You would do it like the original kind of movie, like. but update it. Like, I, Jaws is like my number two favorite movie of mm -hmm. all time. Um, and I don't, I'm not precious about it. Like if they want to remake Jaws or, or do something more with Jaws, I'm fine with it. If it's done well, it could be cool. You know, I really I liked Jurassic yeah. World. Yeah. If Colin Trevorrow wanted to do it, I'd be like, hmm. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Jurassic World is obviously a huge reason why you feel like Universal has to be going, hey, look. <laughs> what else you, know, you got? <laughs> yeah, what, this is just this is huge. One of the biggest movies ever. And again, Jaws is a back feature as well, but we just think that there'd be more issues there. When you're universal and everything's about brands and name value, and you've got something with such name value as Jaws and back feature, you're like, yes, what else can we do with it? If the doors close on back feature, it just seems like Jaws is something where like they would want to do something. And if they could get Spielberg, the, the, the speculation and rumors is, is they wouldn't do it without him, but if they could get him like Jurassic World to be an executive producer. But if, he, if an accident happened, they would. You know? <laughs> um, now, you're a Whoa. big theme park guy. <laughs> you guys got dark. Uh, saying terrible place. Universal. <laughs> dark. Um, hey, come on. We're all we're getting here. If they could have Dom from Fast and Furious riding on a shark. <laughs> That's the future As the, the minions you know? swarm. Actually, I kind of like Dom riding on a shark. <laughs> right. Let's ride that movie. It's about family. <laughs> we just, we got to, no, school, school the trailer fish. is going, we got to jump the shark and see <laughs> the car like leaping over fast and furious meets jaws i mean oh my god <laughs> saying universal <laughs> you can do, do this paychecks to do, you, do you think uh well actually you're a big theme park guy they've done jaws theme park attractions. oh yeah yeah i mean yeah. They, so that's they another actually, reason they actually you know. just uh closed the jaws attraction in orlando to make the uh diagon alley wizarding world expansion but jaws is still a big part of uh the back the studio tour which they just added fast and furious to uh here in la and yeah it just it just feels like you know it, it, universal would want to do something with that much name value how do you approach it in this day and age that yeah. is a question but it just feels like inevitable to some extent that something yeah. will happen with jaws at some right. point they're gonna be they're gonna be uh they're gonna take a a page from their own playbook from jurassic world they're gonna be weaponized sharks yeah humanoid shark Killers. Commanders. Can they have rockets on their back? Yes. Like in uh, Batman Returns with the penguins? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to know your guys' thoughts on the idea of even rebooting, doing a sequel to anything, touching Jaws, and what the hell, throwing Back to the Future. But again, remember, it, probably not going to actually I happen. Too many, legal, yeah. too many legal uh, deals there. But uh, let us know in the comments uh, what you think about all that and how they could do it. Um, let's, uh, you know, we were talking about Jurassic World. Let's talk about, uh, which is the biggest movie domestically and, uh, of the year. Yeah. And the third biggest movie of all time, globally. Um, you know, uh, what, but, you know, not everyone liked it. What were, now that we are in September, mm -hmm. what were your favorite movies of this past summer movie season? Chris Carter, go. Well, this is going to sound so stupid because you just introed it that way, but Jurassic World was my favorite movie of, You're this, kidding. of this summer. <laughs> I would say of this year so far, Ex Machina is still my number one movie, but Same here. of this summer, I would say Jurassic World. I just It was a super fun ride, delivered on the things I wanted it to deliver on, and uh, I think I got a little boy crush on Chris Pratt. I'm not going to lie. I'll just say that right here. <laughs> it, it didn't happen after last year's uh, Guardians? Well, no, happen. no. I mean, that's where I, that, it germinated. And, but now it's been constant. Now, now, <laughs> now his love. locker is just <laughs> pictures. There's so many Chris Pat, Pratt pictures in my locker. you got locker. the yeah. Photoshop, like Chris Pratt's face in the Farrah Fawcett poster. From <laughs> What's funny is there's no magazine that would cater to that now. No. Like the Teen Beat would not have Chris Pratt in there. It would Isn't be like, Tiger Beat still around? Or? Tiger Beat. I think they are. 
Quarantine or one of those things. If I knew that, wouldn't you be scared? Any other summer movies that you like besides Jurassic World? Um, You know, I liked Avengers as well, if you count that. I mean, it's in the summer. Yeah, yeah. I like Um, Yes, summer starts, uh, even though it opened in April in the UK. But that was was the first summer movie. I would would say to me, those were the two movies that stood out the most for me this Mm. summer. Um, And I know they had like both the big ticket items, but But, I I like them both. It is the summer. That's why. Um, Rogue Nation, Mission Possible, uh, is my favorite summer movie. Uh, yeah, it's the one I, I've actually seen the most. Uh, it's wow. just, yeah, I just. Oh, wow, more than Marvel movies. Um, yeah. Um, wow, yeah, I just, I just really enjoyed day. it. Uh, I thought it was, although I think my second is Ant Man, uh, yeah. which again, I would say I'm surprised it's more than Age of Ultron, which I liked. Um, yeah. I didn't, you know, I thought it had some issues, but I didn't, you know, dislike it. But I did think Ant Man was a more entertaining movie. A movie that sort of delivered, you know, but both both Rogue Nation and Ant Man, yeah, had, were the movies I had the most fun with. If we're talking about what do I look for in a summer movie, a classic summer movie, yeah. but Rogue Nation especially, I mean, the fact that it's the fifth movie in a series that's been around for 19 years, based on a TV show, yeah. uh, <laughs> and yet going so strong and uh, just lots of great set pieces. I mean, yeah, it's I, I love that that movie, um, the ad campaign was all around about the plane, which is the opening sequence, and then it's like, oh wait, we've got all this cool stuff we yeah. barely showed yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. there's the motorcycle. Yeah, the motorcycle, yeah. the underwater part. I love those two. I don't want to dismiss uh, Fury Road, though. You oh, know? Yeah. I loved it. I just, oh, I, it, yeah. it, it was probably a little overhyped to me. And again, that doesn't mean I hate it. I loved it. <laughs> um, I think I went in a little, my expectations maybe were a little higher because I saw it after a lot of other people. Still was great, though. I I'm going to change my answer now. Oh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> because I thought that was in, I, I, was, I, I had that my... in spring in my mind right. for some reason, even though, you know, Avengers, whatever. But uh, yeah. I'd put that over Avengers. Okay. Okay. I'm also picking Fury Road. Um, I did like Jurassic World. Uh, I did too, by the but, way. But but um, I would have to say that I think there was something about Ant-Man that I found uh, particularly charming because it was a smaller scale mm-hmm. movie. I don't think it's the best of the Marvel movies. I think it's right there kind of in the middle. Um, but uh, I also really liked Rogue Nation. Um, but uh, I'm thinking also, hmm... There was uh, uh, some comedies. What too about that Spy in the mix? Or Spy is great. Spy I actually just saw Spy the other night again. At oh, the... Inside Out. That's my other one. Oh, oh Inside yeah. Out. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, so man. Fury Road and Inside Out. Okay, now it's changing my and then, answer yeah, oh, to Rogue Nation and Inside Out because as much as I love Ant Man, I put Inside Out. Let's do an easier thing now. Which movies this summer did you dislike the most? I'm going to. Mine is going to be a weird answer because. When I walked out of it, I was like, oh, it was, it, was, it was okay. And then as soon as I immediately thought about it, it completely fell apart, and now I hate it, and that's Terminator Genesis. Mm. Uh, yeah, because remember you saw it after me, and you were like, I don't know, because I, I, yeah. I told you I didn't like it. Um, to me, it's Fantastic Four. Uh, it's just just easily as much, you know, it's, it got, it was, look, there was so much bad vibes going into that movie and it delivered on them <laughs> um, <laughs> expectations it's such, a, it's such a dreary movie and such a slog i think that's this worst thing about it it's not even fun on a bad movie level yeah. um which is why i actually said i actually said after fantastic four it kind of makes terminator genesis better in retrospect only because terminator genesis moved uh yeah. not you know it wasn't a good movie but it moved so yeah for me it's got to be fantastic four uh, i mean I, I think it's a shame because that was a movie i was i was rooting for that movie uh to be a surprise after yeah, all the yeah. bad stories behind the scenes it would have been nice yeah, yeah you know because there are movies that happen you hear all those bad bu- things behind the scenes and then you're like oh but the movie yeah the first a- x-men was right yeah, right yeah. or even uh, you know even more World recently um uh, World War Z was another one, or oh, even yeah. uh, uh, the Apes movie. The, oh yeah, Dawn um, of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rise. Rise, Rise. rise. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it wasn't to be. So Fantastic Four yeah. is my least favorite. How about you, Carl? Uh, you know, I haven't seen Fantastic Four, and I probably won't for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But um, I, until you're strapped in Clockwork Orange. I would say so. I like this more than most people, but I, it was still the worst movie I saw this summer was Pixels. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, see, we didn't see that. So you it, took one for the it, team. It on really that. wasn't like. I, I honestly think it, it's one, you know, every year you have one movie where everybody just jumps on it and just is like, yeah. attacks it. Even even if it's just like, okay, this is pretty mediocre, and I think it was that movie, but, um, you know, there were, there were some funny elements. It was it was a little bit lazy in places, but uh, it wasn't good, and so yeah. Like, yeah. I think it's probably in competition with things like Fantastic Four. <laughs> I think we should, it's worth mentioning uh, in passing, though, by the way, that 
because of China, we might get a Terminator Genesis sequel. Yeah. Thank you. That's actually <laughs> yeah. a very good point. I mean, uh, there are already release dates announced, but let's face it, after it did really so-so. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 3 and 4 had release dates. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So did Sinister Six. Or so we, we thought yeah. we were going to get a Sinister Six. But it does, you're absolutely correct, the fact that it has been uh, doing very well in China could be the only reason why that happens so you can either thank or blame them depending yeah. on your your uh, yeah i think it, it i just movie. read that it made it so far it made 92 million in china which is more than it made in the us total oh, um geez. and it is bringing it over 400 million and just into that place because we've had some sequels in the past year well we're getting pacific rim too pacific rim 2 and and um snow white and the huntsman yeah are both movies that were like right on that precipice neither of them did as great in the uh, us as they hoped and then overseas, they both made around 400 million. Console and Gravel. Yeah. 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 That's another one. That's um, but Terminator one. Genesis, yeah, it I mean, looks that's like. That's why they keep cranking out the Resident Evil Specifically movies. China, because I was just reading an article about how um, Terminator Genesis is now a bigger international hit than Mad Max, uh, Fury Road. Which, oh. But Fury Road does not have a China release date. It may not even ever open yeah. there because China is very specific. And there was, even allowed there was also uh, some interesting articles, and I think it was Forbes that had this about. Um, you know, why is Terminator Genesis considered a flop and uh, Fury Road is considered a hit? And is it simply because the press liked Fury yeah, Road better? Critical. Because it's, it's money-wise, it's not too, too far off from each other, no. you know? Yeah. Uh, but Fury Road, let's face it, I mean, that's the movie... It's still an underdog movie. You're still yeah. rooting for that and, one. And, and we don't know. We might not get that follow-up. And Fury it's Road. worth like it's worth considering the fact that um, you, at some level, the studios are obviously going to pay attention to buzz. I mean, look look back to when Batman Begins and Superman Returns, opening a year apart from Warner Brothers, both made about the same amount of money. Mm -hmm. Neither were as big as they wanted it to, but only one got a sequel. And I think that is because they're like, but people really liked Batman Begins. Way yeah. less people went to see it than we wanted but they really liked it, whereas yeah. Superman Returns was way more polarizing. So, yeah, with Terminator Genesis, I mean, it's worth noting, there's no way Paramount hasn't heard the reaction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that they would have to be like, okay, if we are doing a follow-up, we need to approach things differently. It's going to just totally take place in China. They're just, <laughs> right, right. They'll pull from their own Transformers playbook. The big difference between those two movies, though, is that... Uh, Mad Max was a much bigger hit domestically, but we are nearing that point where that matters less and less, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah, Well, we want to know what you guys think. What were your favorite and least favorite movies of this summer? Let us know in the comments below. Uh, now, uh, as we near the end of a very special Keeping It Real, <laughs> let's look ahead to fall, or as they say across the pond, autumn. Mm. Uh, or as they say across the other pond, summer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, what what fall movies are you most looking forward to? Uh, I'm going to kick it off by saying uh, we'll pick one or two movies each, whatever, sure. however many you sure. want. Why why should I stay? I've in got your 25. Way? Okay, yeah. um, <laughs> Black Mass, which is what? the no, I know I can't, shock. I can't believe shock. It. I can't believe the it. internet <laughs> just went whoa. Uh, grew up in Boston when Whitey Bulger what? was, again, I'm breaking news here, You're people. You're from Boston? Things about me I've never told anyone. Uh, grew up when he was running the show there and, uh, and, had a and very... And much like the Empire things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he had a very uh, different public perception at that time than he has now. It was much more of a Robin Hood and then you find out, well, no, Robin Hood's really the devil. Um, so I'm really fascinated with... Uh, with this movie, everything I've seen from it so far looks great. It looks exactly like the way I'd always wished if they were going to do a movie of it that that's how they would do it. Um, one little news item I don't want to throw in there is that they've cut out Sienna Miller, who is in, you know, uh, American Sniper, the biggest movie of last year. Yeah. Mm. yeah um, she played Whitey Bulger's second girlfriend in this movie, and she's been cut out entirely from the film. Probably for length, right? Length, and also like they said that the, the kind of, you know, when he ended up in California, it's a weaker, They basically took out dramatic. the, him in California section yeah. of the movie. Yeah, yeah. which I, I wonder like, you know, I'd read an older draft of the script and it's, does this mean we never see him in California at all? I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Or it's just reference. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's just tough to bookend that story then without her being in it. So we'll see. So Black Mass is my the one I'm hoping to see very soon. And then Spectre, because I'm a yeah. big James Bond yeah, fan. Sure. And I love the brand new poster, the very mm -hmm. 
very cl evokes classic Bond. He's got the white dinner jacket, and and then oh, the Day of the Dead kind of figure behind him that kind of yeah, it's great. Post. You know, yeah. calls back to like even like live and let die kind yep. of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so those are my two can't wait to see him movies of the fall. What what about you, Goldman? Uh, I am looking forward to the two you mentioned. I should say, uh, and uh, you know, I've never was like a huge Bond guy, but I've been loving these recent ones, Quantum of Solace aside. So I'm excited for uh, Spectre. But uh, my two, I'd say. Um, I will say uh, Mockingjay Part Two. Mm -hmm. I, I do love that series. I love the books and and the films. And I know it's you know it's funny because Mockingjay Part One. I agree they shouldn't have split that book, right? Yeah. Um, it's the it, weirdest book. To it was split. the weirdest book to split, and it by its nature like made the first movie or you know Part One I should say of the those movies uh, not have a lot going on. And so I understand that that criticism, but I do think it's like. Keep in mind, it was coming off Catching Fire, a movie that everyone really loved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is going to be, I think, the movie that people are, you know, be super excited for because this is the freaking war movie. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff, I think, in this film. Uh, so I'm excited to see them wrap up that story. Uh, the other one, though, I'd pick um, is The Martian. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, which, uh, yeah, just the trailers. I, I can really say cool. I've seen 49 minutes of the movie. All I did right. a press event, uh, interviewed Damon. It's all up on the site. It's awesome. Yeah. At least the first 45, uh, 49 minutes are great. I Hopefully yeah. it all holds together. So. Yeah, so I'm ex super excited for that. Um, you know, I know Ridley Scott has been hit or miss for people in recent years. I mean, he's a legend, but his recent stuff, yeah. you know, has been more polarizing. I actually like Prometheus, I know. Um, yeah. but and you're a huge... Uh, you're a huge Robin Hood fan, aren't you? No. <laughs> I'm not a huge Robin Hood fan. But no, him and Damon working together, uh, everything about the ad campaign, uh, I'm just, I'm very excited Great about cast it. in it, too, beyond yeah. Damon. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, excellent cast. How about you, Carl? Um, you did did you look over the release? Like, yeah, yeah, okay. come on. <laughs> the Martian is the, is, was the number one thing yeah. I was going to say. I just finished that novel a couple months ago. It was a great novel. It's going to be yeah. a great movie. I, can already tell just from the trailer you know they've nailed it you know yeah, just from the trailer, you're like it, yeah. i got you got what this movie is about it's going to be amazing did you ever see robinson crusoe on mars i haven't no adam west is in there too and and it's <laughs> basically it's the martian it's it's exactly what it sounds like a guy gets marooned on mars an astronaut and mm -hmm. so it's like i checked that out <laughs> my <laughs> other continue. big pick is crimson peak mm -hmm. um i think that's going to be Guillermo. I can't wait, man. Gothic horror done by Guillermo. Yeah. Ah. I think the cast is excellent. I'm yeah. really excited for that movie. And it's funny because I'm both excited for that movie and I'm a little sad about that movie for the same reason, which is, uh, again, I'm, I'm like a Disney fanatic and a Disney Parks fanatic, so I want him to do Haunted Mansion so much. <laughs> and the fact that he's already doing a basically Haunted Mansion movie, I'm like, does this mean he won't feel he needs to do it anymore? Or is it yeah. like him saying to Disney, hey, see what well, I can do? You know, let's screenlight this sucker. On, the, on that note, and this is going to open up a, a kind of less positive question about the fall, which movies do we think might not do that well? I'm... I'm I'm a little worried about Crimson Peak because uh, I feel like it's it's got some uh, I'm forgetting what the hell it's opening against but it's opening against a much more kind of mainstream kind of picture mm -hmm. uh, and the one movie I really am not getting any kind of pulse on is Pan yeah yeah I think of the big ones Pan is the one that I'm the most dubious about artistically and also don't know if they're gonna nail what they're you know we're in this weird era of um you've got uh, Disney specifically are doing all these live action versions of their animated stuff. Now, Pan is not yeah. a Disney movie, but obviously Peter Pan in the public's mind is very like associated with the Disney yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. So I almost feel like they're hoping after Maleficent and Cinderella were big hits, yeah, like, yeah, oh, sure. Pan, not the same studio, mm -hmm. but hopefully like, people go, ah, yeah, I watched the trailers. I'm like, I don't, unless, it's always hard to tell with kids, right? You just don't know. And that's why they can't track kids' movies very yeah. well. Uh, but yeah, right now I'm feeling dubious on that one. I watched the trailer for Alice in Wonderland and thought nobody's gonna like this right. movie, and then it was million like, dollar. Yeah, large, so yeah. I, I don't have a sense of that one at all. But um, you know what I saw on the schedule, and I, please correct me and tell me that I, I don't know if this is coming out or not. Rings. No, it's not. Actually, I found out Got the other delayed, day. Because yeah. I was going to say that, yeah. I, like, since we've heard nothing, I was like, if that yeah. was wasn't delayed, I'd be like, yeah. I'm very dubious on that particular. I, movie I am also. curious how the paranormal will do because you know yeah. it was that series. It it had so it was one of the you know like Saw. It had so much momentum for like you know a few years in a row. It was coming out every Halloween. Yeah, making so much money, and then it started to dissipate. The fourth one wasn't as well received. Then they did the marked ones as kind of a weird pseudo spinoff that didn't open at the same time of year. So. I'm curious if the marketing on this one, the fact that they're like, this is the final one, and it's in 3D, 
will that bring people back or yeah. not? Yeah. yeah. Well, we want to yeah. know what movies you can't wait to see this fall and maybe which ones you think might not quite find their audience. Let us know in the comments below. That's going to do it for this week's podcast. I'd like to thank uh, Eric Goldman for joining us this week. We'll have to have you on more. Thank you for having uh, me. Of course, Chris Carl, as always. Uh, find us on Twitter at, at Chris Carl, at the Eric Goldman, the Eric Goldman. The. at Jim Vavida. And for all things movies, keep it here on IGN. Hey, everybody. Jim and Eric here with an addendum to the podcast. Sorry, Chris couldn't join us for this portion of it. Uh, but we did want to acknowledge the sad news this week of the passing of the iconic horror filmmaker Wes Craven. Eric, uh, we're both fans of his, but yeah. you in particular are a huge fan. Yeah, I mean, uh, just just a you know a little personal thing here is that like Nightmare on Elm Street, one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, I had on my wall uh, in my bedroom framed uh, Elm Street one through six posters, plus additional Freddy posters on the wall. <laughs> Watched the movie over and over, uh, absolute favorite and Scream, uh, which uh, I'm not exaggerating. I saw over 20 times in the theater. Holy crap. I worked at a movie theater, so I was seeing it for free. Okay. I would just All stick right. around That's... after <laughs> my shift. But I was a little obsessed, a lot obsessed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he, you know, I'm a big horror fan in general, but I think he was one of the absolute best. Uh, and yeah, just had such a contribution to that genre and to the sort of cinematic landscape. Yeah, I mean, he started, you know, like from Last House on the Left to even the fact that outside of... Superman and Batman, he's the only person who made a DC movie. He made right, Swamp right. Thing. Yeah. You know, um, uh, that wasn't a Superman or Batman movie. Um, but also, like, you know, I like the original Nightmare on Elm Street, mm -hmm. but it's not my favorite one of them. Mm -hmm. However, and this is probably slightly controversial, I gotta say, I really dig Shocker. Uh -huh. I think that's like almost in a weird way kind of a better. Nightmare on Elm Street kind of sequel than some of the ones that they made, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I'm, I particularly like that one. And I like Scream as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I'll admit it wasn't uh, a series that I found myself revisiting a lot, but I, I, you know, he's, his contributions and his influence on so many people is just, you know, unparalleled. Yeah, uh, It Follows, which is a great movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, one of my favorite movies this year. Uh, when you watch It Follows, for instance, you know, a modern horror movie by like a, you know, up-and-coming director, uh, there's a lot of clear influence. You can feel uh, the spirit of both Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, mm -hmm. and Nightmare on Elm Street, and sort of this image of suburbia and yeah. sort of insidious thing happening in this place, like creeping in at yeah. the edges. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing with Nightmare on Elm Street is, you know, it's this very normal suburban thing and there's this haze even the way it looks this sort of the yeah. dreamlike quality even the scenes that aren't set in the dream which i think is a really cool touch he added to that well film. and it's also too i mean it goes to show that um they have tried to remake his movies mm -hmm. from hills of eyes and a lot Nightmare, of them, yeah. and, and the only one i correct me if i'm wrong and i i might be was the only remake of his that he was actually involved in was Last House and Left. I think, uh, the, and Hills Have Eyes. And he was. Yeah. Okay, okay. Certainly so I, not Elm Street, which he is happily, was bad-mouthing even like, you know, about yeah. a year ago. Yeah. Oh, Lord, yeah. Now, we've both actually uh, had the opportunity to meet him. Mm -hmm. uh, I met him for uh, Last House and Left remake. And, uh, you know, he was very, uh, uh, he was one of the producers on there, so he was obviously happy with the film. Um, you got to meet him a couple of times, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I, well, I met him as a fan. I mean, I, I have a, uh, the, the first time they did a box set of Nightmare on Elm Street, like, big, thick one. Uh, <laughs> the reason I will never sell it is because it's signed by him. Uh, uh, he spoke at a screening of Elm Street, and I, I brought this big, bulky box set to have him <laughs> sign. Uh, but then for this job, I got to interview him a couple times for Scream 4. I did the yeah. junket for Scream 4. So I had the four-minute interview with him, but he was a very nice guy. Uh, and then I did actually uh, a longer phoner with him when it was coming on DVD. And yeah, yeah you know, he had that well-earned reputation as this really pleasant, soft-spoken guy. One of those, you know, this happens a lot. <laughs> the person who's making these horrific movies is just like, he seems like your really sweet dad or something, <laughs> yeah. you know? He's um, a nice guy. Ultimately, I mean, and he also managed to blend kind of horror and comedy, yeah. too, and, and the meta stuff, mm -hmm. which is something people try to do. They try to do horror comedies, and they can't seem to nail it. Yeah. Um, but uh, ultimately, what do you think uh, his legacy will be? I mean, well, first and foremost, of course, you have to say Elm Street and Freddy. I mean, it's kind of funny because a couple weeks ago, there was, you know, new reports uh, percolating about another Elm Street reboot. Yeah. And I had a big 
conversation, argument uh, with my friend April, who's another huge uh, Elm Street fan. She actually went to me with that, to that screening, and she's so angry that they're ever trying to do a reboot of Elm Street. I'm more accepting, even though I'm like, I hope it's good, it probably won't be, I hope it's good. But I said, you know, at the end of the day, it speaks to the fact that Freddy Krueger is on par with Dracula now. I mean, yeah. Wes Craven, who wrote that movie too, created a character that everyone, even if they've never seen the movie, knows. No. That's yeah. what's so powerful, I think. So that, I mean, his legacy in, in, to everyone, I think, is the fact that Freddy is just part of our pop culture fabric and just, yeah. you know, mythology. Um, but then with these films, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the meta thing. I do want to say super underrated is New Nightmare, yeah. the 7th Elm Street movie. I think it was actually ahead of its time, and it was at a time when people were really soured on that series, ended up in the same day as Pulp Fiction. Uh, but super <laughs> meta in really interesting, crazy way, and I, I was fascinated by New Nightmare when it came out. And then two years later, he did Scream, added the comedy element, and he had one of his biggest hits ever. So. And now it's coming back as a TV series. Now, now there's a TV version, yeah. which isn't that good. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but Ghostface is also... He's yeah. nowhere near as as popular as a Freddy, but, but still, he has got an iconic image. Yeah, I mean, too, the yeah. fact that he could do it again. I mean, Shocker was a blatant attempt, which he openly admitted yeah. because it was at the time when he uh, wasn't Shocker, he man. wasn't making uh, any money. Uh, they worked it out later, but at the time he wasn't making money from uh, uh, New Elm Line Street. from Elm Street, and that was him going to Universal and like, let's try to do another Freddy. It didn't work out. I like Shocker well, too. Well, I mean, oddly enough, New Line Cinema might be actually part of his legacy too. I yeah. Mean, He'll put them on the map, and they're still around. No, yeah. that's that's a great point. A new line nicknamed the house that Freddie built in Hollywood. You know, went on to release the Ninja Turtles films, Seven, The Mask. <laughs> they worked uh, on uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings. Lord, I mean, of, the Rings, Lord yeah. of the Rings, yeah. You know? uh, they're now kind of a, a part of Warner Brothers, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like without Elm Street, who knows if that studio would have even survived? Right. Yeah. Guys, we want to know what you thought of uh, the films of Wes Craven and uh, let us know in the comments below your favorites and just your overall thoughts on the, the life and career of Wes Craven. Thank you and for all things movies, keep it here on IGN.